that dude, that cat sketch. I, I'm still over here thinking about how fucking chaotic and like how those guys have been like trying to be the Lonely Island mm-hmm. good neighbor of the show for the longest time, like like eight or nine remind me, or something. They remind me of uh, what Beck Bennett did with him and um, that's Good Neighbor. That's the Good, that neighbor, is good neighbor. Okay, yeah. Cool. Uh, they cool. used to do a YouTube channel called yeah. Good Neighbor. Uh, him and Kyle and a guy named Nick oh, who ended up yeah. as being a writer on SNL. Same with Lonely Island. They were on YouTube before SNL. And then Andy was the only one who became a cast member. But anyways, yeah, these guys, dude, the, this sketch was so funny. Like every it's like every single moment there was a new level of chaos. The cat was there. Then the cat was gone. Then they pulled Paul Dano out of the uh, from under the couch. I like, when they like op- I'm doing I'm doing fucking I'm I'm doing a role about three uh, losers. And it was him and Gabriel Iglesias. And I, I can't remember, whoever it was. It looked just like the people. Yep. And then they put they open up a drawer and it was a dog and then they shut the door. The drawer. The Lego house. Oh, oh that was so funny. I, I yeah. Like like I said, I don't really like some other skits, but this one was too good. Was it was amazing. too good. This one was amazing. All right, all right, all right. Information measurement. Is it do you think it's good to me mixing Merlot and an energy drink? I, I have a bottle of water though. So like you can't you can't, you can't be Dude, too I got low. all the beverages. I got two a bottle of water, a bottle of fresca, a can of fresca. Third pretty, can of Fresca. <laughs> you and Fresca is like me and a bottle of wine, always next to us. Yes, sir. Sponsored. Sponsored by Fresca. Fresca, hit me up. Okay. Damn, we're looking for sponsors. <laughs> okay. All right. Welcome back once again, folks, to the Sin Arrivals podcast. We are back on our regular format type shit. We have been doing fun, different episodes for a while now, and we just it's finally time to get back into the swing of things. Just talking new movies. We got a good theme for you this week that is a very easy tie-in to our movies we're talking about today. Uh, and we got a lot of awards news to talk to you guys about. We had two full shows come out in, on Sunday, and we got some words about those. But to start us off, Netflix has dropped their newest release, their new big-budget release, the Sean Levy film, The Adam Project, starring Ryan Reynolds, Catherine Keener, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner, and I, oh my God, the kid's name is escaping me, but he was so good and like literally was a little Ryan Reynolds. Walker Scobell. And sure, this is sure, yes. his Walker. first, first, uh, first film. So I, I've see, I keep him. seeing, I keep seeing little <laughs> interviews with him and he is like apparently the biggest Deadpool fan and he can recite like whole long monologues that Deadpool gives from both of the movies. Oh and the, it's really funny. It's almost like he was born to play a young Ryan Reynolds. Uh, certainly so. I mean, I'm sure that's how the whole casting project kind of came down to it. So this film, uh, certainly like you said, with the time travel at being the core theme here. Um, I remember when it was in development, it was like at that time when Ryan Reynolds was attaching himself to like 10 projects in a month. And yeah, I was like, some of these might not get made. And knowing like how estranged everyone is with time travel, I didn't think this was going to be one of them that got done. But then Sean Levy, you know, quickly attaches himself on board. And I think this was the same time they were doing Free Guy. So it made sense for them to to do that. And obviously, after this weekend, we get breaking news that uh, Levy is going to be directing Deadpool 3. I know, dude. These guys so are like the, the best of friends at this point or it's, something. It's the, tr- uh, what is it, the, the Trinity trilogy that we weren't expecting to get. Right, exactly. <laughs> I know you're bidding on that one. Um, what I thought about I just it, don't though, like it being compared to the Coronetto trilogy. But... I, I know, I 100% agree. Um, I thought this was, uh, I mean, it has heart. There's no denying that. 
Um, it does come in a certain uh, mix of bags. If you, if I were to say, like, mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of the, the chemistry with, I, I mean, I don't really want to call it chemistry, but just in terms of the story uh, and the characters with Reynolds and Zendaya, Zendaya, geez, she's in my head all the time uh, yeah. was, was Zoe. I thought that was really pure. Uh, I liked seeing that. Um, oh, right. Yeah. I failed to mention yeah. Zoe Saldana. But I, I was I thought I was expecting more like with the mom. Like I really felt like they just left Jennifer Gardner in the dust and they didn't really kind of, I mean, there were obviously you were trying to save her more than most of it, but I didn't feel like she had a lot um, going on in the film. And obviously once it goes back into, and I, I think the coolest part was how uh, the only way he can access his ship is through his DNA. So that's why he had to go and yeah. see his, his himself, uh, which I mean, if you've seen That's time travel MacGuffin. movies, if you've seen time travel movies before, though, this instantly breaks time traveling rules. But they were able to kind of put a creative spin on it by mm-hmm. um, the way they incorporate the ship and the DNA. Uh, and then and they I go like how they kind of explained how the timeline works. There's a set timeline and like you exist in your set timeline. But as soon as you leave, then you're you're the like weird thing. And then eventually your mind. Yeah. You're the variant. Exactly. And eventually once the timelines are set back in place, then you just go and like your mind like commits to what the timeline is supposed to be. So like it wasn't too, it was too, it wasn't too much of a stretch for timeline or time travel logic for me, especially after coming off Endgame, And none of that made any sense to me in any way, shape or form, but I was just like, fuck it. It's cool. It's funny uh, how you, you just mentioned the timeline within game because Mark Ruffalo has a line where he says you cannot yeah. leave your timeline. And I'm like, I have that saved on my phone because it is it's so really, ironic. It's really ironic because I wanted a to, lot of ironic quotes mm-hmm. in this. I wanted movie. to send it to you, but I didn't want to spoil that moment because that was just so funny. And I mean, for those who don't know, uh, hello, he comes up with this whole time travel plot in Endgame. Right. Uh, one of the main he has the whole spiel about mm-hmm. why time travel is like what it is and now he's in this movie and it's completely different i, I kind of love that dude I like, like i'm not i'm it. not a theoretical physicist dude i'm not going to be checking the sure? science of time are you travel sure? because it's you not are on real. i'm pretty positive you i think know? you are on 420 potentially <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not at my <laughs> smartest on that day i'll be honest uh, but, it, it, uh i will I was going to no, say I just I'm just saying yeah. like I don't I don't care about the logic when it comes to a time travel movie. I just want to see something cool and fun and imaginative and give me like good yeah. logistical reasons for the time travel and not make the time travel make sense. That's what I'm looking for. But like that's I mean, that's what I got. It was fun enough. My whole thing was just like how kind of sloppy and, and ill paced the whole movie was. It felt like it did have we were just very yeah. much jumping around from thing to thing. Like first we got to find his wife and then oh fuck his wife we gotta go find dad and like you're you're moving too quickly through this story that like you didn't spend any time setting up and that goes to show you how bad the the de-aging factor is i think that's that it, it was pretty off it was jar it wasn't like i don't know it didn't make me like hate my life but yeah it was very noticeably bad especially because they had her playing off of herself looking normal I, that's only going to hurt. It was horrible. Yeah, it was I not mean, good. Do you, do you remember the film Gemini Man with Will Smith and how they used Gemini those? Gemini Man? Yeah, I definitely do. That um, for some reason they did it better than that one, even though it's still not a good technique. They spent, I bet you they spent a butt ton of money on this. Yes. Yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, dude, Sean Levy, I don't, I don't know how this whole 
project came to be. Uh, He's he's a really he's really good at doing the big budget family movie comedy. And this movie itself harkens back to the like E.T.'s and and he's a, like he's a the, poor the man's thing, those, those those. Yeah, exactly. Those science, those sci fi families. Yeah, because this was getting adventure e. family films. And this was mad E.T. vibes because of all the stuff in the forest. And I mean, it had, even had Star Wars vibes because he was like, is that a lightsaber whatever? It was like very unsubtle references to what they were taking from. But still, I can see a lot of people really, really clicking with this movie, especially like the new generation of kids going on to Netflix and looking for something a little bit more fun to watch as like a family. So I, I'm not mad at that. But this all being said, and like I we brought up earlier, like Sean Levy got tapped for Deadpool 3. I'm not too, super sure about that, dude. I was never worried about Deadpool working in PG-13 for Disney, but like now I'm kind of worried. I mean, I'm not too I'm not too worried, but it's certainly this is obviously the biggest IP he's attached himself uh, of it. So it's going to be since since like Night at the Museum that like he it's probably his best. Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, it's actually kind of surprising seeing what he's attached himself with. I mean, um, coincidentally, didn't he he also do Stranger Things? Like I feel like he was a producer slash director for some episodes, Mm -hmm. especially in the early seasons. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably Mm -hmm. the best thing he's done, actually. Uh, I would yeah, certainly get it off the ground. And like you can kind of say the, you know, he's helped create those careers of all those those actors on it. So that's that's nice. I also for I didn't realize he did date night. I fucking love that movie. Actually, that movie is great. It's it's It's, highly it's unironically great and rewatchable. And it's like. Easily one of the better rated R comedies to come out of that like time period in the very early 2000 or 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, he's, he's certainly made himself a career and, and obviously you can say the same about Ryan Reynolds. He's made himself, it, it feels like this is the same. He's made a Ryan career Reynolds on film. selling himself. Exactly. Yeah. So. It, it seems like this is just the same uh, that movie he's done a bunch of times. And, and one thing I didn't like in the film also was the moment when, the young Adam character falls and he says superhero landing and it, yeah, it, Ryan Reynolds almost breaks the fourth that. wall, but he just like recognizes the line. And I'm just like, come on like that. That's just really greasing up what we know. And I'm just, but I, mean, I know how much you didn't like it, but like I said, this kid <laughs> is such a huge Deadpool fan. I kind of got to let it slide. Cause he truly, that's like, imagine you're a young actor you fucking have watched Deadpool two, 300 times or whatever. He said he's watched it. And now you're working with Ryan Reynolds as younger Ryan Reynolds. And they give you the opportunity to make fun of Deadpool and say superior landing. Like I, I feel like it's a justifiable moment for the, for this young actor for, uh, for Walker. But yeah, I, I can get why you had a gripe and why it took you out of the experience of that. Cause it happens literally in the third act climax fight. So I can get that. It could have dropped yeah. it a little bit earlier, maybe. I mean, perhaps. perhaps I think enough. you would have been butthurt either way, but. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, like you said, I mean, I had a good time with it, but also it did fly through. I mean, but I think that might help the um, the way the, the algorithm works for Netflix and how they're streaming and their charts run through the data and like. People are going to oh, watch it. I mean, this it's going to be They're the biggest movie on Netflix ever. They're going to watch it. Just yeah. like every other time it's, they release their numbers. It's fucking it's ridiculous. And and even like when they announced some of because 
for some reason I've noticed they're always quick when it comes to like the TV shows, but they'll wait a while for the movies. And it's like, no one's going to sit there and watch, you know, eight episodes. I mean, I mean I'm going to say eight episodes of one day, but the shows are saying are like, Oh, number one watched. And like, I'm like, come on. Like, no, this, I mean, no. If they, I mean, if they're count, if all the numbers are just like episode one and then you get the a count, a thousand yeah. percent. Yes. Like that's just but, that's baffling. But as far it as is. movies go, I feel like they watched the first 20 minutes of red notice and they're like, yes, that is a view. I think it's like 45. I mean, there's there's something 75%. It's something that's like absurd that you would allow it to count, even if you're like, just like, no, this is terrible, actually. And you turn it off. Mm -hmm. It, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sad. I don't know. That's the, yeah. Back back to the actual movie at hand. I mean, again, it's it's, hard to talk about it without bringing up Netflix, though, because that's where we're at. It's true. Because this is the same weekend free guy hit HBO Max and Disney Plus. Or two weeks ago, right? Yeah. So it's it's in that you know that realm or whatever where we're at. Very true. I just I don't know. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I think there was there was definitely something there to that could have been worked with a little bit better. And like I don't know. I don't know what I'd want from that well, movie more. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if uh, I'll be revisiting it anytime. Maybe more. Soon. more maybe more Ruffalo, dude. Give us True. a little bit of like it took an they, hour they, to they, get to him. Yeah. And you know what? I kind of thought it was like a little stupid that we never got the establishment of his relationship with his son before we got the relationship between him and himself. The, the uh, Ryan Reynolds and him and the, and the younger version of himself. Mm-hmm. They didn't like like we didn't we don't know that he even gave a shit about his dad for real. They just tell us we do. What do you um? Well, yeah, they kept talking about how like you hate him because he's not here. You needed to. Right, but you needed to show him loving him first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the uh, the end, though? Because I felt like that one was just bait. Like, you knew that was going to happen when he was like, oh, I was going to find you again. It, knowing, oh, just, just like I knowing. Thought, okay, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Knowing that. I like, thought you were talking about the, the playing catch moment because I know how much how you feel about Field of the Dreams. We'll see that. And that's, it was like very mm, Field of Dreams. It, that's why I wasn't emotionally struck by it. And, and it was really, we didn't even get to see him like <laughs> fade to black or be. I kind of like that dust. they were just gone. Right, I did. The ball gets overthrown. I don't know, but what? But with just like in germ in germs in general with with you and like the Indian ending where he they him and Zoe right. like re find each he finds her by accident again because she was late to class, just like how he, she was late to uh, fly fly school. Um, right, that they just so happen to go to school together, and they're also like forty-year-old people that are supposedly in school right now. So, okay, come on, you're going to use the aging on Catherine Keener, but you couldn't make them look like they're in fucking college. Well, Ryan, he just shaved his beard. I mean, that's 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 it what it took. It didn't work. It looked like a, there was a there was a forty-year-old man sitting in on a college lecture. It's it's just baffling, though. Like you're saying. Um, Within with their age and how attractive they both are, that they're single, just magically single. Well, that and it's just like they ended up at the same college. Like the flight school makes sense. You both join the Air Force. There's like one training camp, but there's hundreds of colleges. Very true. Um, I don't know. But it, I mean, that's, that that's, was the biggest leap of logic in the entire time travel movie. Yeah, that's that's. It was also though 
like I said, bait because we've seen it so many times done before yeah. when when they're when they talk about that. So that's why I wasn't too high on it because it seems like it was recycled material from other things, but it still had its own originality in, in small yeah. ways. I did like the I like the weapons. I liked the the dudes in their suit of armors that like could like camouflage and jump out of nowhere. And I liked the like his staff thing was a pretty cool, like unique little weapon. So I mean there were there's things to like in this movie, but I, it's just the soundtrack the, was pretty with dope. the amount, dude. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they definitely were trying to cover up some of these little more lackluster action sequences with some hard rock and soundtracks. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I think we just watch too many movies to see too many similarities. But if you're like someone who's casually browsing Netflix, who only watches some movies, I think you could actually really enjoy this movie. Uh, so maybe just it's it's could definitely still be worth a watch, even though we're not. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's like a, I got to keep always telling myself just because Ryan Reynolds looks good. I can't say his movies do. <laughs> Very true. Very true. But if that is that if that's all you got to say on the Adam project, I think we can go ahead and move on from here. The other big release is funny enough. I didn't mention this up top, but neither of the new releases from this week were actually in theaters. It's almost like it's still 2020 and we're not going to get theatrical releases anytime soon but that's not the case for some reason and here here comes here comes a little bit of a rant that is a surprise coming from disney boy over here but i'm not happy at all with the choices that the disney corporation has been making of recent the fact that turning red the newest pixar release like the first one helmed by an asian female director that is genuinely a very good movie, even though it's not top. I wouldn't call it top tier Pixar. I'd call it very, very good. Still got shoved onto Disney plus destroyed the experience of going out and seeing it in the theater for all these kids and all these people that could like have had that, uh, that core memory moment of seeing this film in theaters with their family and like being surrounded by everything that's been robbed by Disney for all these kids so that they can throw it on Disney plus and maybe make a couple extra dollars on subscriptions. Like there is no logistical reason why this couldn't have gotten it. They have the subscriptions, which is the worst. That's that's what I'm saying. And like, Mm -hmm. there's just no reason for it. Like in January, yes, there was people scared of the Omicron variant or whatever, but like now it's March and the Batman just did gangbusters so like people will go to the theater and not only am i pissed about all that and leading into the movie but the entire pixar experience was completely shattered for me because you go on to disney plus and you select turning red and guess what you just get turning red instead of going to a theater sitting down credits roll and you are surprised by a perfectly unique fun and usually very very well made animated short that Pixar is always delivered in front of their films. And because this is a streaming release, it's just gone, the completely forgotten to the wayside. There's probably a short film that exists that would coincide with this release, but it's buried on Disney Plus. So how am I supposed to figure out which one I'm supposed to watch? And it's just a fucking shame. It's so stupid. But rant over. I really think that was the, the, the worst decision that Disney could have made. Like they're going to s- stick with Lightyear because, oh, he's connected to Toy Stories, Buzz Lightyear. We can definitely put that in theaters. That was stupid. I like when t- I see the movies like Soul, like Inside Out, like Soul didn't get a fucking theatrical release. That was insane. But that at least made sense because it was in 2020. This one makes absolutely no sense. 
And it, it, it like starts my enjoyment of the film off on a terrible note because I didn't get a short film and whatnot. So rant <laughs> over. I'm surprised that you, had you, to be said, you feel I've been saving that for a lot, like a couple of days, man. I think it's so fucking stupid. Well, I don't, uh, I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying and especially in the nature of like how they're going about this. Uh, Cause this isn't obviously the first one we've previously, we just had Luca, um, Luca also it's soul, it, which, um, and then expect, yeah, exactly what you're saying with like with soul and then with turning red and even, I mean, just, I know with the last like two years, we've had this sort of climate change and how viewing was is viewed and how streaming plays a big part in that now. And, and they've I mean, been I'm testing constantly it. surprised seeing things on streaming services 45 days after they've been in theater. It's like, this was just it's still surprised. Yeah. Right. How can I already watch this? Mm-hmm. Who, how is this legal? And it, it really kind of on that topic, it, it limits the, the person or just the family to kind of rush out and open a weekend to go see something. Cause if they're thinking about like, well, you know, if we just wait a month or yeah. 45 days, well, whatever. Yeah. And if it, I mean, not like turning red can be spoiled as much as like the Batman could, they're going to be li- yeah. less likely to go and, and see that. Cause I mean, with this being a family film to kind of th- throw the numbers out there, you know, you're looking at 40, 50 bucks for tickets. And then if they get concession items, that's, that's high end dollars too. And so sometimes families have to look like, well, we could, dine in tonight and still be able to watch a Pixar film, which is bizarre to say from like what happened, what we had 10 years ago in a way. Um, and, and, you know, my, my whole opinion could definitely be being backed by my BOC bias and the fact that I'm getting robbed out of guaranteed money. Like you're saying, like you don't sell one ticket to a turning red, you sell one ticket to the adult and four to the kids. And that's box office De Niro, baby. And now I get none of that. Yes. And, and I certainly do. Like, I mean, dude, I'm, I'm liking this conversation because it it's been a part of like where we're going for a long time. And I think if Disney Pixar, like if they're to continue this um, because, you know, they will, uh, it's going to have to come to a point where like because when the filmmakers find out about this stuff, like it's heartbreaking. And it's like one of those things where it's like, do I want to continue working for this if, you know, there there's you know there's a good way and there's a bad way when it comes to stuff like that i don't know any of the logistics when it comes to like their contracts and all that but you know when they when they make the film and it doesn't get in theaters it is taken away some of that that you that you love and and see especially like there's so much stuff that gets released on streaming on fridays in general through other low lower tier materials that it could get overlooked and you don't want that either um and so like a perfect I can't really say that it would have competed heavily with Batman, but it would have given the opportunity to like have people create those memories and, and for, for Disney and for Pixar to get that money. If it were, I mean, not like up to me and whatnot, but like something that I would kind of like to see is maybe when they go about making their films, like in, they make an agreement with the filmmaker, the, stu- uh, the people, you know, behind all this, they let them know in advance, like this is, this is our strategy in terms of like releasing it out there. And we are going to, maybe have like a lower tier department that makes films that go straight to streaming, you know, or something. Cause I know they've been coming out saying like very, like our favorite Disney princesses or whatever, going to get TV shows, which is kind of cool. Cause it's like a sort of a spinoff, but like for a feature film to get the back burned of being straight to streaming, I feel like we should not be doing that. Dude. It was such a surprise too. When they did that announcement, it dropped. Man, yeah, Cause it, it was, was no like... reason for it. There truly wasn't. 
And like I said, there was a little bit of a, a COVID scare with the variant, but it was just like there's there there's no justifying it. Could have delayed it. Yeah, exactly. Could have delayed it. You could have whatever. You could have gotten a theatrical release. Period. Like my th- my whole thing is, dude. Why is Disney shafting? It seems like they're singling out Pixar as the studio, and Pixar literally saved the Disney Corporation in 2006 when they almost put Disney out of business because they completely changed the whole game when it comes to animated filmmaking and almost made 2D animation extinct and put Disney out of business. And then Bob Iger had to come swoop in and be like, nah, 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 let's, let's team up. Let's, let's come together and let's make uh, history as the greatest animation entity of all time in Disney and Pixar. And that's what they did. And now all these years later, after all this success, hit after hit after hit after hit, they're just like, fuck you. And you're going to go to streaming and then and like maybe maybe people will see your movie. So good luck. Yeah, it's, um, it's crazy. But, but we, we, hey, can, we can get into the movie. Let's get a let's get like yeah. maybe we spend a couple of minutes actually talking about the movie instead of just how pissed we are that we didn't get to watch it in theaters, even though I did watch it in theaters. But we don't talk about that. But anyways, yeah, Brent, what were your what were your general thoughts about the actual movie turning red? Uh, I mean, I like every Pixar film, you know, I I enjoy it. I certainly am there for the bright visuals and the animation styles that each one brings to us. And then the story you're going to get and where we go, how it develops in terms of the emotions you want to connect with or just the other relatives that come a part of it. Um, But with this one the first first half I was on board and like a lot of the the comedy beats and obviously when the whole panda is on screen it's it's adorable to to see I mean I was excited when the first trailer dropped for this film uh and then that third act for me uh how it kind of concluded where she was fighting her mom who was who turned into the um her version of the her panda it it just I mean I can't say it I connected with it because that's obviously going against what um what they're trying to, to target at in a way. And I've been seeing a bunch of stuff on Twitter. I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter where people complain about how they couldn't connect with it. And they're getting fucking roasted about like other films and how they can compete, can connect with it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, I was like, I don't, I think that's just people looking for other shit to talk about, but the third act and just like seeing this, um, you know, this fight happening just reminds me of like when people complain about, live action films and how they have third act fights with visual monsters and people don't, they complain about that, uh, how it ruins the, the progression of the story. And I felt like, well, if you like turning red, it kind of has the same material of that. And that was for some reason, the only thing that was on my mind the entire time during that third act. Um, and besides the fact that like, the mom was a bitch and I don't need to go into like some subreddit details and layers of like why that is, because I did watch the movie. I watched it twice uh, because my niece could not shut up about how she wanted to see the red panda and to be the best uncle of the year, you have to do that shit. But it's, I mean, it's certainly a film that I know will grow with other audiences, especially that sentimental value with the younger, the younger children. Um, And it's, uh, I think with me and I know we'll dive deeper into it, but like comparing it to other Pixar films, um, I feel like I know just last week we said that you can't compare the Batman to the Dark Knight. But I feel like with Pixar films and like the way they have created that IP and that marketing and whatnot, I feel like you can compare those those films with other ones, especially ones that you hold more dear to your heart uh, because a lot of times they're just the same. I mean, we do it all the time with like Toy Story with the sequels that they make. Um, and I feel like with, with Turning Red, I just 
in terms of like what we've had more recently. Uh, I mean, I'm more of a fan of this one than Luca. I I like this more than Encanto, but there's still some that I'm like, I mean, it's not even that high on my top 25 films of Pixar. Uh, relatively, it's pretty low, but I think um, at the end of the day, it's not something that um that I'm like, oh yeah, like this is great. I think at the end of the day, I'm like, well, Pixar's next film is Lightyear, and I can't tell you how excited I am for that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did watch it twice <laughs> this weekend. So, but that that kind of comes with uh, anytime you get a Pixar film and a three year old. <laughs> Understandable. I definitely agree with a lot of things you just said. There is a uh, there's a level of unrelatability that that exists with this just because of the nature of the metaphor that they're trying to elicit from <laughs> oh, this movie. You can you can uh, say that. My whole thing with the movie is, man, like they were definitely really trying to lean into the the gener like our generation, like these late '90s millennials that grew up in the early 2000s. They had their Tamagotchis. They had their boy band obsessed girls. Like these were things that were trying to get us our viewership not so much the little younger kids but at the at the end of the day i think it just felt very standard i i I agree with you i i only like it slightly better than luca but that's another one that was like those the themes and and the things that they were preaching with this movie were very prevalent uh but my whole thing was i wasn't entertained by the general story um you're right the mom kind of sucked hardcore like there, oh, there is a so you gotta under. There has to be an understandable like threshold of uh, like uh, knowing that you're doing it. You're embarrassing your daughter in an insane matter by like storming into a fucking convenience store where there's tons of people that she knows. Like, you can't just be that oblivious as a parent. That's very unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get what they were doing to try to emphasize like the disconnect between this growing daughter and her mother who just wants the who thinks she just wants the best for her daughter, but is realizing she's being overbearing. Uh, I, I can understand the gripes with the third act fight, big monster fight, but like I honestly wasn't as annoyed by it as you guys, like you and Johnny were obviously. But I mean, yeah, it could have been a lot more. There were there were great, like obviously, like I said, the metaphor is very clear, very prevalent for a lot of people. I saw some people that completely missed it. I'm like, yeah, good for you. But there's also very great lessons and themes about just like the the importance of friendship, which I always love seeing in these Pixar movies, like. They've, they're very like her little friend group was so amazing and, and like felt so real and unique. And like, like you have always like everyone has a little friend group where they have these these like characters basically that all fit in their roles in the friend group. Uh, so I really liked seeing that. And I loved seeing how they were still lo- they still like cared about her and like didn't care that she was a giant red panda. That's very, very genuine. But yeah, I mean, it also it just it shows off like things like obsession like being obsessed with a boy band and just blind obsession in in that sense so there's there's just there's great things there but like i said i don't know it's just the story kind of, it was it was almost like the adam project the story was pretty jumpy it went from thing to thing very quickly and like at the end of the day it was uh like it was enjoyable it was beautiful little look at i love the music i love uh the score the ludwig gornson finally like dipped his toes in the pixar world so that's cool but yeah uh, not definitely not top tier Pixar. Um, I put it in the middle of my list too, around the, the the lower half as well. So we're kind of on the same page, which uh, <laughs> is a very um, 
surprise to me because knowing your love for Disney and Pixar, like I thought you were going to enjoy this one a lot more than I did, but seeing that we're on the same page, it's, it's nice to see from my seat. Um, to me though, like, uh, like last footnotes on, on turning red, I prefer a different red within Pixar and that is brave. I like brave a lot more. I thought you were going to say lightning McQueen. (laughs) (laughs) The first one, we do not talk about the other ones, but, um, but like, talk about any. That's one of the, I think, the interesting things with Pixar as a whole, though. Um, I know we can begin diving into that a lot, but there's a lot of films within, like, they've. this is their 25th entry, and there's a lot that they've had, like, a lot of hits, but sometimes right. I feel like those misses um, are not. It's not like, necessarily truthfully... even a compliment to say this is in the lower bottom half of my list, because Pixar is just that level of... Mm-hmm of talent when it comes to animated films. There's so many of uh, the movies on the Pixar list on my list that are like four star, four and a half, five star. Like exactly. They're amazing. And this one's around a three and a half, which in my mind is still a very good movie on the BT scale. That's an 80 to an 85% baby. So that's still a good movie, but it just never, like I never got welled up with emotion. Like I do when I watched my pick. I had, Uh, yeah, I had no emotion. I mean, so, but that's like I feel like if I like that's not me be like I'm right. not able to sure say sure, that. sure sure yeah. yes I I do Which, there are, I I can see plenty of people having a very strong connection with this movie male and female guaranteed just because like no I mean my parents were never that level of embarrassment I have to be I feel lucky that that is the case for me um but I know it's there are people out there that it it definitely that was something they had to live with and. One of the one of the things this movie does the best is that they show how much of like in a child's mind, whatever the one thing in their brain is like that they have at the moment. That's the most important thing to them in the world, whether it's like mm-hmm. going to see a, co- a concert or figuring out how to like deal with this monster that's popping out of you. Like it's like everything is at an extreme when it comes to a child. So they convey that very well in this movie. So that that was one thing I really, really did enjoy. Like I said, they have great they did a great job at like giving us a movie that teaches us and like shows and like will be very good for kids going forward to teach them subconsciously about these things and about being who they are and not necessarily disobeying your parents, but doing what you love and hoping that your parents can understand that. So kudos for that and and like i said domishi the director she's she did a great job she's already an oscar winner because she directed that bow short that film short, that was in front of uh incredible like story story four or something it was one of those two I yeah think it was incredibles two it was an incredibles two as well but yeah so she, i think she did a really fantastic job especially with her first feature film under pixar and i hope to see something more from her down the road because like the minds they have at pixar are just so brilliant like this Maybe is we'll what a little bit more later, but yeah. this is what I'm going to see uh, that's going to happen. Like I'm going to call it here on Pi Day, but I think people are going to destroy Light Year. I think they're not going to like it. They're going to really stand I against don't, it. But no, and that, but <laughs> I don't then, want that. because we're no, but because we've had Turning Red and a lot of people have liked that one. I think that's what we're going to have. We're going to have a stand between these two films, and it's a matter of like which side of the bridge you're going to be on. I mean, a lot of people are, are already baffling at the idea that Lightyear is coming out, but like I'm Dude, I, fucking I, excited yeah. for it. Like, my thing, let's my go. thing is like if these both get end up with like Oscar nominations for animated film at the end of the year, I don't think even not seeing Lightyear yet, I don't think either of them would be able to stand out 
against each other, if that makes any sense, to like win that award and they might steal votes for each other. So we might see like something crazy happen when it comes to the Oscars and animated this year. But yeah, who knows? I mean, well, I mean, we still have to see Lightyear. I'm still very excited. I don't like hearing the rhetoric of, oh, why are they even making this, dude? They're like, they're just trying to milk the Toy Story property. I'm like, this is kind of what I wanted to see. I love the cartoon growing up about the prequel series of uh, Buzz Lightyear. And this is essentially the same thing. So yeah, looking ahead with uh, animated films, I mean, Spider-Man 2, they had it across the oh, yeah, Spider-Verse. Exactly. That's, that's the sequel there, there that's already won. But I mean, maybe the Academy likes what Mario comes out to be or, you know, an underdog in the race being Bob's Burgers. There's a, I mean, there's also there's a Disney movie that's like in the works that is slated for Thanksgiving. You're really that's, oh, my that. God. I just hope it comes out. I want a good original Disney animated movie because I like Encanto so much. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's turning red. Go, You can watch it. It's Pixar. It's still very good. But, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say besides we enjoyed it enough. Certainly so. Yeah. And what, what we've decided to do with our theme of the week, we're kind of bringing this back in the mix on the surprise. Pod. We're talking about more Pixar. Ha ha. Yeah. Idiots. We're not, we're not leaving. You think the we realm. weren't going to talk about Pixar the entire podcast. You're a fucking idiot. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're not picking our favorite Ryan Reynolds movies to talk about. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. I love Deadpool. <laughs> oh gosh. Johnny is trying to jump in again. Where Johnny stop <laughs> De- decline decline. <laughs> um, yeah, so what we're gonna do here is we're we're just we're just each gonna pick our favorite Pixar film. Um, oh, I wouldn't say that was my. I didn't know that. Was oh, the, you're. It's I, not my I'm jumping, favorite. I'm jumping. This the is gun. just I'm, one I'm I would reading, like to very yeah. much talk about. I'm reading my 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 notes though. It's just the first line, right? <laughs> sure. Yes. No. Not favorite. This is a very. I love this Pixar movie. I'm gonna pick, but it's not. I my don't favorite. know. What, I was gonna say. I I told you what I picked because this is the first time where we actually felt like we needed to discuss the options because we've. Like our top 10 are probably very well high key. If you hadn't have told me which one you were picking, I was probably going to end up picking the same one because funny enough, I had like all my picks, all of the options that I was going through. I had keyed in on one director. Um, Funny enough. Mm -hmm. So So I'm I'm very excited. We get to talk about him, especially in in this sense. But so I'm still, I like still having the mental debate because my two picks were, I want, and I watched both of them. I was between soul which just came out and I feel like it's it, like the, it's quiet down and it's very much worth talking about. But after you told me what you were picking, I thought, okay, that might just be like beating a dead horse talking about the same thing over and over again. So instead of talking about uh soul, I went and I chose to talk about Karsten. one of Right. Yes, exactly. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually here to talk about the unreleased Ratatouille sequel Ratatouille Tui Two. Dude, you you already <laughs> jumped the gun on a question I was going to ask you, but fucking fantastic! Oh, so- <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, okay. My pick is one of three animated films of all time to be nominated for Best Picture, and to me, somehow is still one of the more underrated Pixar films because everyone writes it off after the first ten minutes. I chose Up, man. I fucking love up. So oh, I mean, that first a, 10 minutes is like a guaranteed cry. It's like it's, literally if you need to clear out your tear ducts. Boom. First 10 minutes. The the song, the marriage life, like mm, Michael it, every little aspect. Uh, it's 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 nearly perfect. Silent movie storytelling in that first 10 minutes. That's what it you is. See, you literally yeah. see an entire life of this couple in the matter of minutes. And you've seen that you see their ups and their downs, their trials, their tribulations. 
And by the end of what you the, the by the end of the song, you're fucking devastated because of what happened. And it also sets up the entire character development of Carl's character and why he's the way that he is for the rest of the movie perfectly. Like literally perfectly, because not only do you see why he's the crotchety old man, but you also see why he's so infatuated with the adventurous world that he's in and why he can do the things that he does. And even down to the point of like how he got all the balloons to lift all of his like per, like his whole house up off the ground. Like it all is thrown at you in that first 10 minutes of exposition. It's all done so perfectly. And then the rest of the movie is an insanely fun adventure filled with so many hilarious moments with unique, fun characters like Russell and, and Doug and, and Kevin. So there's, I mean, there's no reason to like write this off as a, a standard movie after that first opening scene. Like I've seen so many times, I read a lot of letterbox reviews and it really made me angry. Cause like that, really? the movie after it is still so fucking perfect. Were people against it for a little bit? Not, not against it, but they're like, besides the first ten minutes, this movie's pretty average. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no it's a great it's adventure that follows. Story. It's an insane yeah. story about loneliness and finding someone and be and like the respect your elders, <laughs> respect your elders, and like and and basically just like finding friends from the most unlikely of people, and that's that's beautiful and. Oh, yeah. One the of animation is beautiful. The rainforest is beautiful. The the I, I mean, the, all the dog characters are hilarious. There's so much to love about up R- and R.I.P. Ed Asner. Dude, he brought Carl to life. We, I recently love him too. Very recently. We lost him. And it's a damn shame because he did. A, he did an absolutely fantastic job giving Whoa. us Carl <laughs> Fredrickson and, and Christopher Plummer, man. Fuck. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One one of the things I like I very much remember about this film is like when when you're when the Pixar film is coming out, uh, it's always curious to see like what when you, you they could talk about what it is, especially if it's like an original film or we haven't had a sequel yet. And when they released the poster, and I remember when the poster came out for this one, and it was just oh, yeah. balloons with oh, the yeah. sky with the sky backdrop, and awesome. it just says up, and I'm like, it really draws your what attention. What could this you're be? Like, yeah, you have no idea. And I don't even remember. I think it had the house attached to it still, too. Maybe. I think the house was maybe like the it. bottom, maybe yeah. just the top of the roof. Mm-hmm. I think I'm seeing. And it and it was just really striking on like the intrigue, like really popping out. And and especially with like obviously, like you're saying with Carl, and it just it really for younger children, you're seeing his relationship with the younger uh, with Russell, and you're just like, is it uh it's one of those scenes where well, you see moments of his youth popping out constantly well, with yes. Russell, like mm-hmm. just slipping out on accident because it's he really is this like go lucky, this happy go lucky, like one wanting to adventurous be adventurous guy who's just been in a fucking depression since he lost his wife. And there are moments when he's re- like interacting with Russell and Doug where you see that humanity slip back in. And that's the beautiful thing. It's like sometimes you need a new person or someone else in your life to bring the best of you out. And, and again, it's just so beautifully shown in this movie. Well, I think what I what I was saying was just like how it makes you kind of look at your elders that are in your yes. life. Yes. And like finding oh, yeah. ways where you can kind of connect with them. I know certainly like with my grandpa, like looking at it like that, I mean. I'm sure everyone can kind of find Carl themselves and like the resemblance to that character. I mean, he looks like everyone's grandpa, like in a way, like, um, so they do a good job at that. And then, you know, pulling yourself in terms of like how you can visually connect with the story, even if it's taking place on an, you know, a clouded world that you don't know about. Um, 
it was and then what was also really funny about it was how like the guy collected the dog like all the dogs that were there and he had them all trained with and i, I thought that yeah. segment part of it um like what you're here what you're just saying with people outside of the first 10 minutes there's still a lot that you can take away from this film and, and how it oh, could yeah. be great and especially how it ends and like it doesn't have oh, a somber yeah. a somber ending like some other you know <laughs> pixar films has like this has a very uplifting film because it has a fantastic ending, this, dude. this old man now has another life and he is able to live it not only not, no not only this man has another life he has a friend and russell who has felt like he has been pushed aside by his biological parents specifically his dad he now has that father figure in his life it's all about chosen family and like when they're sitting there on the curb and they're just playing red car blue car which literally is something i used to play as a kid it it really warms your heart it, and 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 that's yeah you're right like there are these there D- disney and pixar have more somber endings they can have uh endings that are not necessarily as satisfying but like this is one of the best ones and this is one of the best movies, man. If there's there's a good reason why there's only three movies that have been nominated, or again, three animated films that have been nominated for the best picture at the Oscar ceremony. Beauty and the Beast, this, and Toy Story 3. And that's great company to be in. And Up is very deserving of that award. And you can argue that there are better Pixar movies. There are Pixar movies that I like better. But Up is a very special movie outside of the first 10 minutes and that inevitably that's why i wanted to talk about this movie is to hype up the back half of the movie well and i actually uh, like you're saying with the score and what michael Cicino is able to kind of bring to that and slowly chugs he, dude he might heart. there there is a world where he might overlap alan Silvestri as my favorite composer because dude especially going back and looking through the stuff he's done for disney and and pixar it's beautiful iconic stuff mm-hmm. i have it i have it on my my uh my score playlist and like i'll never skip it when my life comes up i'll never we'll, skip we'll talk it. we'll talk about the your pick here in a second but the, his score in that is like <laughs> we'll get to it we'll get to it folks i'm a, i'm gonna be in a tease uh hey. but i don't have too much more to say about up it's really it's just fantastic if you haven't watched it watched it if you haven't watched it, actually, go fuck off because that is insane. It's been but, since 2009. What right, exactly. It's been, yeah, it's been <laughs> nearly like 12, 13 years. You can't keep um, rewatching Jack and Joe. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Chase. All right. But yeah, I mean, we can we can move on. I guess the last thing I'll say is like, that'll be a good transition into your pick. But Pete Doctor, man, the director of Up, the director of Monsters, Inc., the director of Soul, well, co-director of Soul, he he is easily Pixar's brightest mind right now. And it, it, like, it is very apparent since they promoted him to like president of Pixar at this point, he's in charge of everyone at Pixar right now because that seat got vacated by a guy who made poor decisions. But yeah, I mean, it's very, so much deserve. It's so deserving and you can totally tell by his, the products he's made. He is, he is probably the most consistent track record at Pixar easily highest, most consistent track record at Pixar period. Speaking of the Pete Doctor, I actually have some of his films as the highest rating you could possibly give at it, which is why the film that I picked is the one you did not mention, Inside Out. I find I find this film to just be on a whole nother like inter- not even just like animated, but I mean this this could have easily have been a Best Picture winner, and it would have been the first animated one to do Whoa. so. Whoa, Best Picture winner? Winner. I think it is. Wow. I mean, that year, I believe wow. you had. I think that was a year. Uh, That's Birdman. 2015 Birdman. and Mad Max. Mm-hmm. 
which you love. I know strong year. And I think that's, that's one of the other reasons why I like it just as much is because it's able to stand out uh, from other genres that you, you come to watch more so daily, I guess, in some people's minds and whatnot, but, but no, like I, I return to this film every so often. I mean, almost every year I watch it. It's, it's, it's really grabs at you and it's such an original concept. Like the story basically just follows a, a young girl named Riley who moves from the Midwest and starts uh, over at the West coast. And it really starts pulling with her emotions. But what the story does is it takes you inside her head and each character, each emotion is a character. You have joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. And they live in the headquarters in your head, which I think is just overall just some of the best like creative product you can come up with. Um, and it just really shows you how they control her, her day-to-day life, like the operations and something that you just don't really think can be imagined until it is imagined like that concept. And the way they pull it off is it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it really, it captures your heart in so many ways and so many emotions. I mean, being bond, like that whole with the imagine with the imaginary friend, like, I mean, who didn't have one unless you're still seeing people. That's a little weird, but it's speaking of movie Pixar movies making me cry. Like there it is. Like that is it's, it's, it's another it's a guarantee man when bing bong is like take her to the moon for me i fucking weep and and then joy has no idea that he he jumped off and then he which also results in, Dude, in his it's, demise it's and i mean i mean it's our boy giacchino with that like score and them singing the song and like mm-hmm. them like going up it, it, it's it, the escalation of that scene. Like we could talk about 20 minutes about just Bing Bong and his death, dude, like straight up. This movie is so well, not just, Oh yeah. His, his death, but also just how, how he played with, um, with that in general too, is um, he's able playing to with the idea of letting it. go of childhood things. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, in a, he's an entire mm-hmm. metaphor in and of himself. Exactly. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, it's part very, cotton it's candy, pure. part elephant, part dolphin and part metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, uh, I mean, I enjoyed all all the emotions that each each actor brought to the characters. I mean, they really stood out and they really made them feel Dude, like themselves, a, too. It's, it's taxed, bro. It's it's a knockout. Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed they also. Got SN- they got people from The Office. They got people from SNL. And then they got one of the most, like, iconically angry stand-up comedians to play anger. Like, how right on the nose is a Lewis Black? Who doesn't say a anger? cuss word? Who doesn't say a well, cuss word? Well, he wants to the whole yeah. time. They, they bleep out, which has on the control panels. But it's it's awesome. I mean, there's so many things that, like, I like about this. And I know there was a, one of, like, the, the funny scenes with, the, like, the, um, at the dinner table and the dad is the mom's trying to get the attention from the dad and the dad's just watching yeah. the they're the watching the sports yeah and, and each and, he, and then the emotions inside his head look like when they acknowledge that it's like it's it's hilarious stuff because that's one thing we haven't even mentioned yet is like every pixar film they try to find a way to get the adults to laugh at oh, some of yeah. the jokes or to connect yeah. themselves to it so it's not just the kids that are being the, the main audience like with this film especially the adults can connect to the adults in the film and i think that like with riley's parents i think that is so neatly done i don't know if you've seen it but there there's a deleted scene about like when riley is going on her first riley's date. first date no I, that's it's, not yeah it's, it's it's hilarious i mean it's I so good he's like floored. oh what's your favorite band acdc yeah no yeah. I, that, I do love that 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 is one of the better uh like the edition shorts uh mm-hmm. that they they put out but but you're totally right i'd like to well, let's i keep going on that like Pixar as a whole has always been at the forefront of creating child-friendly films that are bright and colorful and fun and funny and appealing to young viewers. 
while also creating incredibly complex and nuanced stories that we as the audience, as grown people who also enjoyed these as young people can now lock on to and catch and understand and only makes these movies that we loved as kids better. Like, it's crazy how that's what Pixar basically established themselves on in the industry is their storytelling. And this is just exactly that. Because like you said, dude, the cast they got, I mean, the names they got to play these emotions are, they're perfect, dude. If you think of Phyllis Smith, the first thing you think is sadness. And like, it's, and then Amy Poehler is joy and Bill Hader is fear and Mindy Kaling is disgust. And like we already said, Lou is black. Like these are all elite castings that bring so much to their characters. But then also like besides being colorful, funny characters that are good to look at, each of them makes sense to us as adults. And it's 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 incredible. It's in. Yeah, certainly like you say that with with Phil Smith with sadness, um, it kind of goes to show you that. Um, as the film progresses and you kind of get to the ends, like Joy realizes that sadness has been a part of Riley's life, but they just don't look at it like that. And that kind of like really creeps into um, a lot of people understanding that like, it's okay to be sad. Right. And, the main and theme and of especially it, especially kids. Yes, you, you, it's, a, it's okay to express all of your emotions mm-hmm. instead of trying to hide especially. behind Joy and or put one it on the a other. brave face. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's, you just have to fucking cry. Film. And if mm-hmm. more people knew that, I feel like there would be a lot of less hate in the world. I feel a lot. Of, a lot of people are just bottling up their emotions and need to have, just have a good cry. And so they need to watch inside out and, and bing bong. Ugh, dude, Ugh, bing it's, bong. I know, right? <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> and it's, it's one of the, like, I, I even enjoy the scenes um, with fear. And like, there's a moment where he's monitoring dreams. And I think that's so ironic how they choose him to take over that. And like, and he's like just that, like, calm like nightmares. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, the way they're able to, uh, creatively compile everything together. It And that's why I say like, this could have been the first animated film to win Best Picture because it's able to bring so many different, you know, uh, players to the ballpark in a way. Like they build such a perfect winning team. And it starts with like what we just said with Phil Doctor. Like, and he's he's kind of like this- Pete, this Pete gene- Doctor. Pete, what'd I say? Phil. Phil, where did that come from? I have no idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he's he's sort of like this, this mad- just genius at the head of it all. And one of the things like all my, all my rewatch and like this, that's the other thing with this film is like, I get like my right eye is, will start getting very, very watery and it'll have this single tear road under it. Cause like, you just can't watch it without that. And it looks like the, the Denzel Washington gift from glory where like he's, he just has a single tear, but I mean, that's what this film does. And like, that's what Pixar does. A lot of times is they, they really bring this out to you. And, and that's why I, we chose this, this theme, especially with turning red coming out. I mean, I wasn't able to put that in the same like structure of myself with, with sure. those two and inside out just, just knocked out of the park. I mean, I, it, it, um, I was really kind of wanting to see like if they got like celebrities and like kind of pick it into their head because they did tease at the end where like they're inside a cat's mind, they're inside a dog's mind, like they're inside other people's mind to really show you like how this could be, um, collaborated in different um, right. Dude, ways. I, 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 I like love it. the I logic really they establish, man. Like the the things that the emotions do inside of your head, and how they they articulate and like transfer into the real life world. It makes so much sense while also being incredibly far fetched. 
the like the train of thought just as a pun is hilarious, but also makes so much sense. And long term memory being those rows mm-hmm. and rows of those orbs, but also in like Core the pattern moments. of a cerebral stuff. And it's just the way they take all these complex, like psychological ideas and present them in front of like abstract thought. Like, do you think kids understand what that is at all? No, but then they see this movie and they actually have an introduction into something that is that high concept. It's amazing. Yeah, no, and, and it's it's one of the reasons and why plus, we dude, just yeah, like to the emo- it. Dude, the emotional weight this movie carries throughout all different moments in this film. Like I said, dude, Michael, this might be top three Michael Giacchino scores for me. It's so simple. It's like five, six notes on a piano but it elicits so much emotion. It's amazing. It's it's prevalent throughout the entire movie and it sets the tone for the whole thing. And like like you said, man, Pete Doctor, there's there's a reason why the movies we both chose we like we could speak on eloquently are both from him. Like all of the like every other Pixar movie, he he knew what he was trying to make going into it and he took every little piece of or well he he spent all of his time just trying to construct a well thought out, inc- like emotionally strong story that also is so resonant with people from the age of three to 30 to 60 to 90 who ca- like anyone. So, I mean, it's caps off to him. And like I said earlier, there's no it's not a surprise that he's now at that head honcho over at Pixar because he really understands their their whole mission statement over there. He's getting a he's getting a max contract offer. That's for damn sure. He's being reassigned. Yeah. He's right. never going to be a free agent. No sir. But yeah, I mean that's that's. I mean we could spend so many more times talking about this film and and mostly other Pixar films. But I kind of want to in, in that theme on giving each other our top three, but also, um, dude, is top three enough though? I think we can go top five. We could do top five, but I also was really I was also really curious because I know that they have. They certainly have themselves some sequels, but I was kind of curious in what films that don't have a sequel that you'd be interested in. I mean, maybe there's not too See, many. So funny enough, you asked that. I know I said Ratatouille too, but that was like a joke. I could watch that movie where Remy's actually running a restaurant, but whatever. I, I don't want to see a ton more sequels to the properties that we've yeah. already got. What Pixar did the best, besides with like Toy Story 1, 2, 3, whatever, is... Yeah. Telling these individual unique stories and not worrying about making sequel after sequel after sequel because they get they end up muddling down your story. I don't like Toy Story 4. I don't love or I don't love Toy Story 4. I, it's, it's fine. I don't like Cars 2 and I don't like Cars 3 and I don't. Well, I actually do have a soft spot for Monsters University, but that's technically a prequel, so it doesn't count. I don't know. I just don't want I don't I don't think I need to I see guess, like Ratatouille 2. I don't need to see Brave 2. I don't need to see the good dinosaur 2. Let's let's do some new I guess, new I original guess ideas. I'm, I guess what I'm like Lightyear, the Lightyear, the the that idea like taking an offshoot of like a property that you already have and doing something new, that's maybe as far as a sequel that I would want. I guess like the point I was trying to say with like sequels cuz I'm going to do with what your answer is makes me want to kind of like reshape the question because when you when you do get further in the material like the the incredibles universe or the cars like it doesn't get that good i know a lot of people don't like incredibles 2 as in uh i, incredibles I do 1. like incredibles 2 but it, yeah it doesn't and really like, touch 
and I feel I feel like uh, I'm on the complete opposite with you on Toy Story Four. I mean, we'll we'll get to that shortly. But I mean, dude, Toy, Toy Story, Story Four is, is the ex- most unnecessarily made movie in the entire history of filmmaking. Period. The most unnecessarily made movie. Then there was no more story to tell. Andy gave up his kit, his toys. They had moved on, and you could have like lived your life just making those little short films you were making about Bonnie and whatnot. And we never had can- to see another Toy Story Four. And then Toy Story could sit as one of the greatest trilogies of all time and not be muddled down like your Indiana Joneses of the world that have lackluster fourth installments. Which which Pixar live action would you want to see? <laughs> None. That would be. I feel like ninety percent of Pixar movies would be creepy as hell in live action. Maybe up. That, that would be. Work. That would be something, right? Cars in real life would be creepy. We get that with Fast and Furious. We're fine. But, okay, uh, well, we can we can squander that, but so I guess we'll just go into our top five. So to start, I guess uh, my number five is Toy Story Two, which sat higher on my list until I like thought about it right before this podcast, and I did a little bit of rearranging. It's like top tier sequel status. I I hold Toy Story Two up to the caliber of like your Empires, your Dark Knights, your your Godfather Twos. It's like one of the best continuations to a story ever told. And it's just as emotionally weighted and it has an amazing climax on the plane. And so, the, I mean, like I said, it, it was higher. I, I fucking love this movie. There's times where I think it's better than the original, but like the original just means so much to me and like the world of animation. So it gets that extra bump. Uh, so, yeah, I would say Toy Story 2, number five for sure. Plus, dude, you get Big Al's Toy Barn and Wayne Knight and the Stinky Pete or whatever. And bullseye. And the moment, well, bullseye, but then end the moment with uh, when he like when she loved me, the song with Jesse and like that three minutes of film is like. So not appealing to children, but does so much for that movie and for like the idea of toys and their kids moving on and aging away from them, which they then go and do even more so in Toy Story 3. So, like, I think, yeah, Toy Story 2 is just so fantastic. Plus, you get, and that's when you get Zerg for, for Buzz Lightyear, which is very cool. My number five, uh, I'm going to put... Toy Story 2. Right? No, you'll, you'll see how, uh, how I this play this, out. how Let's I play see. this off. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go my number five, Monsters Inc. I OP think Doctor Baby. Right. Yeah. Um, just looking at my list and like kind of seeing how it's playing out right now. Um, I am combining some shit, but changing things up. Oh, how and, dare you? And Cheater. I th- I just think Monsters Inc. works perfectly uh as a like a film, but but then like that very end where you he goes back to boo. I'm just like I'm, Dude, I'm, I'm melting. I'm falling off my bed or couch. Like I'm just melt. I'm sliding off. Like it just really hits you. Really, the hits concept you. is just so brilliant, man. It like, is. The, the, oh, like, oh, oh, mommy, mommy, there's a monster in my closet. Like how kids have always been for years and years and years. Well, and it, like, guess what? Yeah. That, they were never lying. They, the door was just, shredded. Oh, how does it happen? But they find the pieces. They put it. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, Mike, God. dude, it's a great it's <sighs> another great uh movie about like love and friendship and like the power of all that. So, yeah. Plus, it's hilarious, dude. You have two iconic uh actors of comedy playing your main roles. It, it just it all it makes it three because you got Buscemi in there, too, dude. So, yeah, yeah I mean, like you know how I am with Billy Crystal. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, I mean, funny enough, buddy. That's my number four pick. So we can just move on to your number four. Beautiful. Um, my number four is Soul. 
Um, wow. Wow. I would yeah. love to put it higher on my list, but it is, there is not, it is not quite that high, but I love that we get to talk about it. Uh, I think, uh, you know me, I mean, I'm a sucker for score and this film has, um, oh, I mean, it won best score. It, oh. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it really is. And I like jazz and everything that that brings into like just the, the culture of this film and how it plays a part of all that. And it's, it's beautiful. And I think it, touches your heart in a way you weren't expecting that. And uh, that's why I really admire it. Um, this film was like at the time of its release, very much considered like the best picture winner because during 2020, it was a really like oh, hard time. Oh, it was time. no doubter. Yeah. It was, people were like, really like, and it just, it, it's called soul. And that's one thing that people are still trying to find themselves on. And it's, it's fucking beautiful. It really I mean, is. dude, it, it like searches for answers for like fundamental and- questions of meaning. <laughs> And that, can you even imagine like pitching that in a room for like a company that makes kids movies? It's like, I want to make a movie that challenges our concept of what death is and we'll make it for kids. Like who the fuck makes that movie? Pixar makes that movie. That's who makes that fucking movie. When, when I rewatch this last year, you're going to actually get a kick out of this. Uh, my brother said he did not like that. That Well, your brother is in. <laughs> He's not allowed on the pod. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Uh, I mean, yeah, dude, it teaches it teaches us so many like things about like the faults of obsession where like you if you fall into something too hard, it can There's, take away even if you think it might be your meaning in life, it can take away from like truly enjoying what life it has to offer. So it's it's dude, it's such a strong concept for a movie and the and the execution, the beauty of the animation, bro. Pixar only gets better and better and everything just looks so realistic and crisp crisp but like also still in this genuine animation style and i love it i, I there's so much to talk about so it was literally my pick for the theme there's a joke in there about the suffering of the new york knicks and it is if you get it it's amazing. that was easily the, the amazing. It was such a surprise Mm-hmm. It's a joyous and that's what that's what another thing pixar does is they put in those little yeah, like the kids don't know why how yeah. bad the knicks are yeah um so you're number three sir well, my number three is a film that like has just like been with me my entire life. I've definitely watched this over and over and over again. And like all all my top five are like between the years of 99 or whatever, 95 and like 2005, because that's just those are my nostalgia years. Uh, so my number th- five, uh, number what number are we three, on? God damn three, it. Three, three, my number we're number three. 18. We're on number 18. <laughs> oh shit. Let's see. Well, that's turning red actually. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, my number three is finding Nemo. I'm glad it, it, I'm glad it's in here. Cause that's one, that's one film that you really hope can hit in people's. Oh my God, guys. A shocking update folks. I am an idiot. I've, I've been trying to uh, do this off of memory and I finally actually pulled up my list and I have lied to the entire listening audience of the Sin Arrivals podcast because number it was just because it, it must've been because we were just talking about monsters Inc. Cause that is in fact my number three. And then finding Nemo is my number four. Uh, it's very close. Oh, and honestly, yeah. yeah, the high key could be interchangeable. But yeah, Finding Nemo, it's just a, like another piece of nostalgia. There's like you you get into a pool and you start thinking, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. It's ingrained in my brain. Like there there are so many moments of just like sheer terror and like the way they they animated and put us inside of the ocean feels as real as you could possibly get without being a documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a beautiful story about father and son beautiful and, father and son story which mm-hmm. i know you can always get behind uh moving on 
my number three would be up. Yes. We nice. I, Dude, I said, how funny is that? I love up and it's not even in my top five. It's like seven, actually. I yep. It's I a said, hard no, it's six. It's a hard I, list to make. I don't even know I my own I list. I said what I said. So then you're number two. What did you say? I said what I said. Oh, you I mean, yeah, we already talked about up for sure. My number two is Toy Story, man. Easy, easy, easy pick. It's the it's the establishing film. It's the film that changed the industry of animation. They handed John Lasseter an Oscar for making the very first feature length CGI, like fully computer animated film uh, there. It's a no brainer. And it's still dude. even the animation might not hold up totally to this day, but the story sure as hell does every time the comedy, all of it. There is not a t- there is not a time you'll catch me watching Toy Story and not laughing out loud when like the shark pops his head out of the toy like chest and he's like, oh, look at me. I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. It's it's so it's so genuine. And it like it came out when the year I was born. It's it's a movie that means so much to me. It's a fantastic movie. All these years later, there's no reason. And like I, it, it, it it's the film that brought brought us Pixar, basically. So no reason not to be in the top five. Absolutely. Unless you don't have it in the top five or else I'm fucking rioting. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I certainly because <laughs> I've noticed you don't have like cars. Toy Story or Toy Story 2 in this list. Shut up. No. So my number two is. Oh, I thought you were saying your number two is cars. My number two is inside out. Okay. okay. So I've, I've said, I've said everything about that one just previously. Uh, it's monumental. Yeah. I mean, dude, like there's no, there's no argument here for real. Well, there might be if you again don't have fucking any Toy Stories in your top five, bro. We're we're gonna have to see. But anyways, yeah, right. Then my number one and the movie that I think sits like the highest on the pedestal when it comes to Pixar movies because it works just so perfectly as, as so many things as a family drama, as a superhero movie, as an animated movie. It's The Incredibles, man. Brad Bird, what he did with this movie is is like above all. He made the best Fantastic Four movie you've ever seen without having the Fantastic Four as the characters. Uh, the, the the family dynamic works just as well as the superhero dynamic in this film. It's like a good story about a family that's coming apart at the same time as being like a very exciting action packed superhero movie about a family of superheroes. So it's it's always going to be my favorite Pixar film. So my number one, Good Dinosaur. I think this film is <laughs> you're so fucking cute, dude. I'm very cute. Um, so since this is um, our podcast and my list, my number one f- is Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, and Toy Story 4. Oh, you're a piece of shit, dude. This is what I'm talking about. Dude, it's I mean, you I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be who I am without Toy Story overall as my number one. I Toy Story one, okay, two, fine. Three, Toy and Story four. one, all what? knockouts. Oh god, you can stop at three. No man, I love four. Even on my rewatch, I'm sitting here like th- that moment they break them apart. Man, I I'm just trash. I am torn. Like I don't think an animated film can do that to someone until you yeah, see it. Yeah, they did in Toy Story three when Andy left Woody. That is, that, it's the same scene. Listen, listen. I love how I don't. I, enjoy, I, I didn't know I enjoy, you had such a strong I, resonance. With I, enjoy, I enjoy. I uh, enjoy the moment where Andy has to say goodbye to his toys. That that did that did hurt me. It did hurt me in 2010. All right, dude, you have no idea how much that hurt me. There, but I, I there were to- plenty of toys you, I haven't let go. You of. can you cannot um, deny like the relationship that Buzz had with uh, with Woody was stronger but, by the time we got to it. 
But guess what? They dude, are we going to argue about Toy Story 4? Because at that yes, Buzz Lightyear, is, here, man. Buzz Lightyear is a bullshit character in Toy Story 4 that has nothing to do. He's uh, he's learning learning the, the inner he's, inner he's thoughts. using his default mode to try to like be insightful <laughs> and like it's it's, and like trust his gut. And but it's 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 you're gonna end the movie on them being separated, but they haven't been together the entire film. What the fuck? Um, you might say they haven't been together, but what was Buzz trying to do the whole time? He was trying to find and save Woody. He yeah, was. And he was failing. But, but, but he was he he wasn't failing. But that moment where they just where they have to say goodbye. And it's just, I mean, dude, like I watched it not too long ago and, and my niece was just looking at me like I'm a fool because I'm crying over Buzz yeah, and Woody. And she has right. no the idea. The producer like me the, understands that this is not the best movie. Of emotional toll that that pulls onto you. It's, it's unbelievable. I, and I get, and I get it. I, I, I do. I understand that it's not like, you know, you're, you, it changes the way the third one ends, but like they do a fucking great job at it. Com- combining all that one and dude it just oh, fuck man buzz and woody well if this is how we're making lists then i want monsters <laughs> university and monsters inc at number three so take that it's okay it's okay who knew who knew we needed an animal house movie in the style of monsters inc i didn't but i love it who thought we needed buzz and woody to break up but we did we need it. We did it. We didn't need it. That's my whole argument. The, it's like the Toy Story 4 it does not justify its own existence. <laughs> Any, but yeah, anyways, it is a fantastic list and way to pull a loophole so you can talk about all these movies. And if I knew that, I would have just said Toy Story well, 1 and we, Toy Story Okay, 2. hold on. We didn't even, the one thing though with Toy Story 3 we didn't even mention is that they almost killed them off. They almost killed Should've them off. Should have done it. These legendary characters. No balls. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been like, imagine the therapy that people would have had to enter themselves Bro, into. I got to imagine that they had a test screening where it doesn't end <laughs> like that just to see what the kind of reactions they would get were. Like, what if you were like in that audience and like there's one showing they did with the alternative ending and at the end, everyone dies, credits roll. Well, like but during the credits, so <laughs> we get an in memoriam where like each each Toy Story character gets oh, a little to, picture. Yeah, to when somebody loves me. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, that's so funny. But yeah, no, I mean, we can I, make that cut. We can I make that editor ourselves, I, dude. I just love how Toy Story two ends. It's it's or not Toy Story two. Toy Story three ends, and like I just said, Toy Story 4's job was to justify its own existence when you've already ended your story so well, and it never got there for me. Toy Story three ended. Andy's story. We still had Buzz and Woody. Yeah, and Bonnie. And who the fuck gives a shit about Bonnie? Whoa, bro. What did Bo Peep ever do to you? Not Bo Peep, Bonnie. See, you don't even know. It's the little girl that Andy gives the kid the toys to is Bonnie. Yeah, but who gives Woody, a shit about Bonnie? Woody lives moves on to with Bo Peep. No, I know, but they but in three, they they, they give the do- toys to Bonnie. And the whole story is like Bonnie loses their shit in the on the road trip. But anyways, whatever. I we don't we don't. I hate that we're ending this on such a like a argumentative note because it's the cinema. I mean, we both wholeheartedly just love Pixar. So like, I, I whatever. I don't hate Toy Story four, but it's my my opinion that it doesn't need to exist. End of con- conversation there. But yeah, man, big jump. We're gonna make a hard left turn out of the Pixar world. Uh, maybe not as hard as you think, because obviously, anytime you get a Pixar movie, they're pretty much gonna end up with some kind of awards nomination. And we had 
a huge night last night for the FAL folks. So many points went to Brent and it's fucking bullshit. And I'm, I'm real sad boy about it. Um, I didn't even say this to you through text or through our, our messaging channels because I wanted to say it to you in person. Oh, fantastic. I can't wait. But uh, when we were creating the FL, we just had the simple mindset of like a few award shows, but it was your idea to bring in the Critic Choice Awards. And that is what led me to such a uh, monumental. Wow. <laughs> but not not this last year. I It was my idea like two years ago. Correct. But like it's, it was your idea to incorporate it and what has in the end has is going to lead me to back to back titles. So it's. I'll make sure to include yeah, you. In unless my the Oscars speech. look at my team and are like, all right, this is who we have to have win. Then there's absolutely no way I'm going to pull out of this. One. You know, speaking of speaking of this, I was uh, filling out my one of my brackets today um, and ESPN now has a uh, they do a pick them for the Oscars ballot. Oh, wow. So you could do it through ESPN now through one of their play maps. And I was slightly pissed off because I highly doubt they, you're going to do that, though. You you're a very big fan of the. The hard uh no, I'm not copies exactly because I I'm I mean I might have a binder with every person's uh, that I've ever collected on, but that's no. That's why I have as like I have to make two copies whenever I give you mine. It's so funny. But yes, uh, we can kind of get into the award shows and what we had. um, Certainly, you know they they are what they are. They hold certain uh, merits to their own academy and members and country i mean the baftas is the british film awards which is basically the british oxers and a lot of it has to and, do with right and sometimes their picks skew out of the norm to more very of the of more local areas basically mm-hmm. um but that's I mean, to come it's certainly um to kind of get into it uh it, it does play into how the oscars night comes out um all of the some awards not all of them i i know We've we've basically I don't know how many times we can hit this topic, but um, best actress certainly not even not one nomination in the Baptist was at the Academy Awards or for this year's Academy Awards, and so um, going into that category is kind of interesting to see how that even plays out because it's like what can you draw from it? Um, and nothing, then, yeah. fucking nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm glad someone. It's said funny it. enough, like you look at all these other award shows as like us who are big award show fans to figure out how the Oscars are going to play out. And over the last couple of years, like the last two, three years, when you look at the best actress category, it's just a fucking shit show toss up that it's, uh, it's so hard to figure out. It's and like, it's not a discredit to the actresses. Um, no, or it's, like the if roles anything, it's playing. just it's a just, ton of really good performances. Yeah. It, and and one thing I know we were having the conversation about with with like this year's nominations and not just what's up for the Academy, but also just as an overall, um, there hasn't been a lot of like they're all well-respected actresses on their own. But with in terms of like the role they're playing in the movie, the movie just wasn't respected that well. Like there were still areas that people found a way to discredit it in some nature. I mean, it, I, it's I'm even say trying to time. say it's, one. That you say it all the time. Sense. It's a lot of legacy picks. Yeah. And and like, and that's what sometimes becomes the issue. Um, I might have to start now that the only award show that's left is the Oscars. Um, I might start doing some digging into like what else is um, uh, like strat- uh, not strat- uh, stats or some curious, interesting stuff about all that because we're getting close to it. 
but um to kind of like go into the baptas and like we'll just really name it off some of the um we'll the more important some ones. of these categories the more important exactly. ones yeah um one thing so with supporting actor uh Troy Kutzer who has love basically it. swept it and he's, love it uh, I mean I think I, I love said this. seeing a comedic performance that is also very very strong emotionally uh get recognized it's it's what we said after the dude makes a boner joke in the movie hilarious didn't um shit what was the award show we were just talking well wasn't we the sag ta- this we're talking uh what Golden what was Globes? the what was the award show that we recently it was the sag awards yeah um the, okay. we're basically yeah if you haven't watched coda by now again watch coda yeah um and was, I, I kind of hate that I waited as long as I did. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I like it because now I'm I have just watched it and I'm getting to like ride the high of seeing them win all these awards. Yeah. Like spoiler alert. Not the, the, I jumped. I was at work and I jumped out of my chair when Coda won original or, uh, Adapted. original screenplay. Adapted. Are you sure? I'm looking at the list right here. Oh, duh. Because Licorice Pizza was adapted again. Spoiler. But yes, it's... yes, 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 yes. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, but what's really funny, like with Troy Quizar, is like within our our own FLA league that we have, no one drafted it or no one picked him up. Right, dude. And That's like, dude. At this point, it's almost mental. like if someone just left, if like an entire fantasy baseball league just left Mike Trout on the fucking uh, waiver wire. I won't, at this point, season. I won't even say Mike it's Trout because he's so hurt. <laughs> but yeah, okay. It, Sorry be, for my analogy. I just it's picked gonna be the exciting. best baseball player. And and one thing that's been really great though is uh, no, it's not David- exciting. Just imagine if I fucking in the midterm draft instead of picking up David Alvarez from goddamn what West whatever Side West Side Story, I pick up Troy Coatser and I'm in the fucking money right now. Well, I mean, I picked up Cody Smith McPhee, who I thought was going to be the front runner, and it wasn't. So like, it this just happens, you know. Um, it's true. He went he went very untalked about until he started winning, and I'm very happy to see him start winning. Moving into another supporting role that has been a pretty much lock sweep taking it home ariana debose very excited at least have her to see every time every time she wins i think it's so funny chase you lost it you lost out man i can't wait till we get her on oscar night and just i mean that's a i mean that's a great thing here like debose she's been around for a while she's she's been working her way up and it's it's really great to see like um for a young actress i mean she's not even i think she's like 30 though like she's young dude she's yeah she has a lot to grow from this and um okay. she that recently signed on to be in the craven the hunter film she's gonna be playing calypso which calypso. um i never thought which that would be there if we night. get a comic accurate costume baby okay so moving into screenplay you had coda wins adaptive screenplay uh that one certainly probably comes as a surprise but probably not anymore. I was damn um, well surprised. It's gaining. It's it's kind of gaining some things. And and you, we do yeah. we do only have one big show, but the WGA still hasn't been announced. And to, yeah. to be honest, if Coda comes out with the win, it, we'll talk about what happened at the uh, Critics Choice Awards here in a second. But if if Coda can come out and win the WGA, I might that might be my pick come uh, ballot turn in for best original screenplay or best I, adapted screenplay. Fuck me. I know I have it, uh, especially created for it, because um, screenplay is one of my favorites. But that sometimes isn't always a guarantee. So no, I know careful. it's not a guarantee, okay. but I think it's strong enough that it'll have that extra push that it needs. 
Well, we we've previously said it, but like you know, the last couple of years, the Oscars have been trying to give out every film one award. So it seems right. like well, and, and, and get yes, you can two. get Kotsar that, but like this I think it would be, I think it would be very, it would be good publicity if they also gave it uh, like that. Also, if they could also get the uh, the screenplay award as well to the so, director. So the other, yeah. So the the other screenplay is original, and I want to quickly bring this up. Uh, Licorice Pizza wins for that one. Congratulations! And, Round of applause and, for PTA and his fans. And I'm going to be very excited for maybe that happening. And and I say that because some sometimes, um, especially with original screenplay, that's what the Oscars or any award like to do. If it does win Best Picture, they want to give it the recognition, so they'll give it screenplay. Uh, a lot of times, they'll give it original screen. Original film will get the screenplay. Um, but like what you're just saying, though, with with Coda and Adapted, I think this might be the one occasion where the Best Picture winner doesn't get the screenplay win. I think it's going to go to two different films that they find very deserving, which is what we have here. I think it's going to be your licorice pizzas in your Coda. When it comes to power of dog, if we get to Oscar night, power of the dog comes up with adapted screenplay. I would get nervous about its best picture chances. You can live on that. uh, Well, that's what I'm just agreeing with what you're saying about like the, the whole they're trying to give more awards out. And that's why like once upon a time in Hollywood and Jojo rabbit or whatever. Well, It's exactly with Parasite because when Parasite won right. screenplay, it was like 1917's not winning Best Picture, and then you had Bong Joon Ho win Best Director, well, yeah, and it was like, also boom. dude, that was that was an ex, an historic run that like started with the surprise of that award with when they won screenplay, and then just kept spiraling as Parasite just kept winning and winning and winning and winning. We'll never have that again. Um, yeah, that certainly was one of my favorite nights. Um, going into this is such a crazier times but leading actress like i said none of these have were nominated for the oscars so it's kind of mind-boggling to to kind of even see this and and they nominated six so that's even more strange but you know the baptists could do what they want but the winner for this one was joanna scotland and fucking she's, who she's a six-year-old actress who? and i and i'm just going to be honest with you right now i don't never heard of her before until if you would have asked me who was nominated for the bafta i would have given you five names because i there is never a chance in hell I would ever be able to pull that. And like, this is this isn't something that hasn't happened before. But like, I just thought with today, like Renee Renesvi from the worst person in the world. Uh, sorry for the butchered pronunciation, but like, I thought she was going to be the front runner, but apparently that was not the case. And just uh, another mind-boggling move by the you know the Batos because we just had it last year with Best Actor, and and going into Best Actor we had Will Smith win, and just pretty much secures his Oscar yeah. win. And I can't be any more excited for that. Um, certainly somebody who's been waiting for this moment for a long time uh, through the ups and downs of Wild Wild West. Um, Will Smith is going to, uh, excuse me, sir. It's pronounced wiki wiki wild wild West. Sure, sure, sure. But I mean, he beat out from a lot of predictions I was reading over the weekend. He beat Benedict Cumberbatch who being a British actor in last year, like we just said, with the upset of Anthony Hopkins over Chadwick Boseman, it seemed likely that if Cumberbatch was going to win one, it would have been this one. And it, it dude, they were cutting to happen. Cumberbatch the entire night. Like the BAFTAs love the guy. He, he had, uh, did one of the presentations for award. He got to make a speech for Jane Campion, which I thought was like one of the highlights of the night. He pulls out his speech. And he's like, I'd like to think, oh, wait, that's sorry. That's my speech. And he flips it over and he gives James Campion speech because she was in L.A. The for the Critics' Choice Awards. 
Well, Lady Gaga was, was at both, though. So. Was a hilar- no, she wasn't. They had a they had a uh, a satellite like they had a reception set up in London mm. that they were able to cut to because that's where Troy Kotsar was when he gave his acceptance speech. That's where the Ted Lasso crew was when they gave their acceptance speeches, which all gotcha. three of them I love. I know we're not talking about TV and the FAL, but love Ted Lasso. Always love seeing them get awards. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was. I like the show also. They were celebrating James Bond hardcore. Oh, yeah. The I opening know. was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. They did you didn't even watch. I, I caught the opening. Yeah. Oh. I like um, the diamonds are forever whole thing. So then that leads us into a director, which Jane Champion won for Power of the Dog, like you were just saying. Um, that's been a heavy lock. Um, certainly no misses on that one. Uh, I could see it though being upset because a lot of times when I mean, director has been on more recent years. White the, man, the, white man. The favorite doesn't <laughs> win, so it's going to be interesting how that goes. And Kanto wins animated film. Uh, you'll be hearing a lot of this conversation coming up because this might be one of the more interesting toe to toe fights we've had with animated film, and the other one being Mitchell versus the Machines. So very excited about that one. Um, and then you have... I'll tell you right now, if we get to Oscar night and the Mitchells ends up with the award, the I, I'll just the FAL is over. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that'll be announced fairly early, too. Yeah, like midway. I'm saying, I, yeah. like, if you upset me on that one, there's absolutely no mathematical way I win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might have to do the, those mathematical odds. Uh, one thing that the Baptist does, which is interesting, is they have an outstanding British film category, which I mean, to me, it never made sense. I get it, but it just never made sense. Uh, that being the winner of uh, Belfast won that one. And so that's like their acknowledgement towards that film. And I mean, I thought when we first started this podcast, after first watching it, that that movie had the best chance this year, but at least, uh, yeah, at least very wrong. Forget about Belfast. Very wrong. Uh, and then best film power of the dog. We've said that how many times now? And it certainly has been the case. Yeah. Every time, every time I see that movie win an award, I get more and more, uh, like Sam Elliott, in my opinion, of the film. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, Dude, I don't know, but the, my whole thing is like, I think I've expressed this on the podcast before. It doesn't feel like a best picture movie because it's not I don't know. It's a western, man. Like, that's it's been... Not, it's, it's not... It's it, feel, it feels too indie, if that makes any sense. And I thought No Man Land felt really indie, but this feels like even more like independent and smaller minded and like I don't know. It's it's a very weird like to, like when you're looking back at history and you're seeing the power of the dog. I think a lot of people are going to be like, the fuck was that movie? And it's not unlike, I don't know, like your parasite, even though it's a foreign film. I think like everyone remembers parasite. I don't know. That's personal opinion coming in. But are you, are you OK? No, I'm about to. I don't know. I don't I, I, I want to see other things when I'm getting bored with those best picture winners. I think I think to go along with what you're saying um, in more recent years, this has been such an odd case of like, you know, the winner before it's announced, especially for the biggest award of the night. Um, and it don't it has nothing to do with what power the dog is and what it's trying to the message it's it's relaying to. But there's no uh, competition. There's like a there's lot of no the years you have a one a one v one sort of situation. Your parasites versus 1917 or shape of water versus three billboards. Like it it's a toss up when you get to the end of the night. But the last two years with Nomad Land and now this, it's just like, oh great. They won. Yep. There it goes again. Yep. 
Oh, well, congratulations, I guess. But yeah. Um, yeah. So moving into, so that's the Baptist. Uh, it's, I mean, it's for us, it's played in the afternoon. So it's really weird because obviously they're in London or shocker. Yeah. But the funniest <laughs> part is that the people that are there on the live stream that are in London are up at like 2 a.m. So then we also had the Critic Choice Awards. Uh, this was the, um, this was going to be the same night as the Golden Globes, but they decided that they weren't going to compete with them on that nature. Um, so they, I mean, the Golden Globes gave them a big F you because the critics announced the night that they were doing the awards and then the Golden Globes came out saying like, well, we're also going to do it that night. Um, so that was kind of bullshit. But we had it last night. Uh, so to kind of highlight some of the winners, I mean, pretty much the the same as we were just talking about with uh, the BAFTAs. But like, uh, for instance, animated feature film went to Mitchell's and the Machines. Uh, so it did beat Encanto. It's going to be very competitive race to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, you also have for adapted screenplay, you have Jane Champion for The Power of the Dog. So that one, very different than Coda winning at the BAFTAs. Um, both screenplays. Original went to Belfast with Kenneth Branagh. Uh, so that did not get licorice pizza. So I thought... I- I thought it was so funny that on it's, that yeah on Sunday, me, I have Belfast and Coda, you have Power of the Dog and Licorice Pizza, and we both got alternated. All four of our picks got one award that day. And I thought that was just serendipitous. It's it's certainly gonna be very interesting how um how the one plays out. That might be the day. that might be the biggest, not the biggest award of the night. What am I trying to say? The most anticipated for me just because of how open it can uh, open the field is oh i mean yeah it's it's definitely one of comparatively to like any of the other categories it might be the biggest most up in the air award of the night yeah i mean i certainly can say that i mean like what you're just saying though is you know four films won two awards and it's been alternated all season i'm sure we've all season yeah we've said it tons of times and and knowing how i keep track of myself with my ballots um, I've never lost an adapted screenplay since I've been keeping track of it. Um, I have been sloppy on original screenplay. So like what you're just saying, it's going to be very hard. Which one did you get wrong for original screenplay? That would have been the one from 2019. So that had to have been me not getting parasite. That oh yeah. You went parasite over uh, I, what we do once, think, we, once upon a time in Hollywood, right? I think, yeah, I believe that's what I chose. Wow. Yeah. That is not like you. I know. Right. Fuck, man. You can't go that's against funny. Tarantino, baby. But that's what I did. Oh, no. Why? Yeah. That, I know. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Okay. You were wrong. You can't go against Tarantino. You bet wrong. I bet at Tarantino. What, I'm so confused. Oh, I have it back. I thought you said yeah. you put Parasite and mm-hmm. you had mm-hmm. once. I forgot. Parasite did win. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And then we have director Jane Champion, Power of the Dog. Really interesting lock on this one. Um, it's really nice. So within this category, we got to see Guillermo del Toro nominated did, for Nightmare Alley. So that was kind of right. Neat. It was a really early nomination too. It was one of the mm-hmm. first sets of nominations, and he slowly fell off. Uh, but the the thing with I know I just made those snoring noises when Jane Campion won, and it's less that I'm I don't dislike that she's winning because her story and the fact that she has like gone unrecognized for like 26 years in the industry, and now she's just back and like better than ever is admirable and it's great. And I love seeing her receive these, this accolations as a female director up against like 
the Steven Spielbergs of the world still beating him out. That's awesome. Uh, it's just, again, I'm just getting bored with seeing the same people win the same categories over and over again. Like I love Will Smith, but seeing him win actor over and over again is getting old. He's thanked the Venus Williams family so many that's, times already. But that's every single season with a lot of t- people. I understand. I, mean, I understand. But it doesn't get any less boring. It's more exciting when there's upsets and when there's chicanery and just ridiculousness. It's just more fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jane Champion, she's won an Oscar before, though. So like, it's, right, exactly. It, and but she's like, she was saying like 26 years ago, which is insane. She yeah. Well, she, I mean, she's a very socially awkward person from the looks of it. Uh obviously with how much we've watched her this year um but yeah it's it's gonna be interesting when we get to a war night um supporting actress ariana devose again we're gonna keep repeating it uh best supporting actor joy kutzer we're gonna keep repeating it um that one i that one i i will genuinely get excited for every time he wins i don't care i i think i think every single year um if we were to there's always a feel-good person like like and it's always the supporting year, actor, exactly. Support, do you have Mahershala Ali, J.K. Simmons, Sam Rockwell? There's never been uh, Mark uh, uh, the, the grandma from <laughs> Minari, whose name's escaping me because it's said different ways, forwards and backwards. Mm-hmm. It's it's always certainly a feel good one, and they give such great speeches. They've, I mean, dude, the, every time Troy Kotsar gets up there and signs, and then he has like his words are so eloquent. He's, he always makes a joke or a pun in his every single one of his speeches. He's always genuinely thankful and surprised. It's amazing. I every time I love his speeches. I want to. I want to. I want to. A, a collection of like all of them stitched together. That would be awesome. He. Uh, I know. I, re, I recently like. I sometimes around this time of the year, I'd certainly go back and like rewatch a bunch of them and. And J.K. Simmons, his speech ended with him saying, just call your mom and dad. And like for oh. when, for people like us, you know, just normal uh, c- civilians and whatnot, like seeing someone that stature, just like call people like well, who, you know, we all have the same like we all have mom and dads and like seeing someone on that stature say that it's just it hits a little differently in ways. Um, uh, then, the, but I, I also I know it wasn't a uh, a movie again. But I I would I would be very uh, remiss if I didn't mention how fantastic I thought Michael Keaton's speech was when he mm. won for Dope Sick. I need to watch. He is, I need to he is a man. He is a wonderful speaker. And every time he gets up to the podium, it doesn't seem like he's prepared anything. But like the, the words he says and the things he chooses to speak on. I, I, for some reason, I can't remember the specifics, but like it's just it's very impactful. And well, like, the, every every time you see him up there, you can see the genuine emotion he has behind his words, and I love it. Well, we recently found out though with the SAG Awards that he lost a nephew due to the opioid sure. crisis, and that's right. why he took on the role that he plays in Dope Six. So it very much yeah, connects he with does, him. He tells an, uh, he does tell a story uh, Did, during this. I don't I don't know if you if you remember seeing this one, but when he was going up for Birdman for Best Actor. Um, you can watch the the clip of when they announced the winner and it was Eddie Redman. And you can see as he's like the way the camera shifts and whatnot, that he it's puts like he his was- acceptance speech back in his pocket. And it is so heartbreaking because he had it out and then he right. has to put it right back in. Cause they, I mean, he was, uh, that was a very tough battle that year too. And I mean, he should have fucking won, but that's, that's a conversation for another day. That, a lot of people find that uh, win controversial too, which is crazy. I mean, no offense, but like what has Eddie done since then? Like Michael Keaton seems to still come uh, up. With he's in a hit Harry Potter franchise. Hit or just badly. Yeah. 
Um, Miss. Okay, so we'll we'll I'm gonna jump ahead, but another one that we've repeated before: Will Smith, best actor. Um, it's it is the career achievement. Like, I mean, that's what it's come down to. I mean, he's he's been a, a basically an icon within Hollywood for a long My time. Thing, yeah, my thing is like they're giving the Will Smith the love, but they they're not gonna give anything else to King Richard as a whole. That's kind of like why I'm like the the whole legacy of it all kind of doesn't sit well with me. I mean, but but that's the thing. Like, but, I mean, before like when the movie was getting made, everyone was calling it like this will be Will Smith's Oscar. Um, and so I get what you're saying, how they're not recognizing the film in other areas, but uh, the young girl's performance at Venus and Serena Williams, I think is better than Will Smith doing a, an impression of their dad. I don't know a lot to, to pull from that to give a true uh, fair, fair. But I mean, Will Smith's that's just an opinion. Will Smith is Will Smith. I mean, yeah. And that's why everyone wants to give him an award and have him invited to their parties. <laughs> Um, but this one, uh, you've known us chatter about it heavily, but Best Actress, winner Jessica Chastain. Um, certainly the most outrageous category that we've had throughout this entire circuit. Outrageous. Um, I don't, I mean, we weren't expecting it because like going in, we thought Krista Stewart was going to be the presumed frontrunner. And then as shows were going on, Nicole Kimmel was jumping out. And then the last two award shows, we've had Jessica Chastain knock it out of the park and like i said with the baptist none of the actresses in here was also nominated so it's like or with right. i mean uh, in terms I of the think academy if jessica chastain was nominated she probably could have won that category. well it's it's funny olivia coleman wasn't nominated at the baptist that i mean that's olivia coleman but i mean yeah it's uh i i mean i it's it's still you know scratching my head like when it comes down to oscar night this might be in terms of like uh, a bus in the season of busted brackets, this is going to be the category that busts your ballot. I mean, it, it could really go either any way. I mean, I, as much as I hate it, I can still see Nicole Kidman winning the Oscar. Uh, I still want Kristen Stewart to win the Oscar, but I mean, we might be seeing Jessica Chastain uh, name being called in. And I know you text this to me about how you want to see not just our reaction for a surprise, but you want to see the winner jump up in joy and, and just be very yeah. like shocked yeah. and like Jessica Chastain did that at the sacks. She's been around th- for a long dude, time I, and she, I, I feel that, that Troy, Troy Kotsar will definitely cry. Yeah. Oh yeah. He'll every, definitely have, he, he looks so gracious every time he wins and I mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. So like, I, I think that's, that's something that's going to be very exciting to behold. I mean, hell Will Smith might do something, you know, we, we know, we don't know yet. This is going to be, Great to see because this will be the first year in a couple of years where we've actually have he jumps up. He goes, Woo! We we have the uh, we have, we'll have the audience and it's going to be very cool to see. Uh, certainly will be because um, last yeah, year they were sitting at the they, tables as and long as weird. the awards or as long as the academy doesn't like rearrange the awards like last year because they're fucking idiots. Everything should go smoothly. I, I think they're going to keep uh, I think they'll keep it good. Um, and then finally, last but not least. Oh, my God. Imagine if they like set it up for Will Smith to be the last award of the night and they he fucking loses to Denzel Washington or Denzel or, Washington. Exactly. Oh yeah, Peter's not. Yeah, um, that'd be interesting. Um, oh, duh, fuck. So this. Uh, was, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So best picture winner is Power of the Dog. Um, it's. I mean, looking at the list of nominees, man, it's it's a strong year. And like we've said, it's surprising that there hasn't been competition. Um, but I mean, it's if if we were um, so like I, we haven't even like had this this 
conversation to to the audience and whatnot, but like the way the voting is done for best picture, it's different than the other ones. Um, what they do is they get everyone when they send in their votes, they take the one, two, three, the the, the, C, the rankings that they have of them, and then they come, they start adding them up. And it's once someone hits um, the 50 or like I think it was 80% or something like that. Once they pass the line of the threshold they're looking for, that's when they give them, that's when they, they declare them the winner. So like you could have, you know, power of the dog ranked number one on your, on your ballot. But if more people have Coda two, Coda would be winning best picture because of how they do the preferred uh, ballots. Well, no, yeah. But I, I just, I don't know that Coda would be number two, but I get, well, no, I'm, I'm just giving you, it, like, you're using it as an example. Exactly. I'm just saying that's how they do right. the, the ballots for that. one. So it's very interesting to see like how this is going out. Like are people just straight, like what I'm trying to say is like, are people straight up just voting power of the dog number one, or is people picking other films as their number one, but their number two is power of the dog. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it, but we will never really know that, but I wonder if that might just be what it is. More people are finding themselves in liking licorice pizza, Dune, Belfast, West Side Story, Coda, but yet number two, Pilot Dog across the board. I wonder if that's what I think is like what a lot, a lot of the times gets my hopes up for like the most popular movie. Cause what if a lot of people's second movie is fucking Dune or licorice pizza? And then that ends up winning the Oscar that those are both, best picture winners in my mind so i would much rather see something like that win but yeah we will we will definitely see come that night it'll be a fun podcast to record i know it uh you know i'm i'm my favorite night of the year we're two weeks away from it i can't wait i'll be driving up in a week and you and and it'll be our first ever podcast recorded together in person so that'll be in a live studio I guess that that pretty much wraps it up. I don't think there's any other categories that we mind talking about, like the mission was versus machines. Like, yeah, I like it, but I also like points in the FAL. And that was not great because Brent literally ran away. Uh, I guess we could give a point update on the podcast. Uh, Brent has a lot of points. I have I have some points. Uh, Chase has some points. He got a lot of good points in these last couple of shows. And then Johnny, he doesn't have too many points. Uh, but if Brent, you want to give those he's, actual he's, numbers, he's glad, he's glad to be invited. He's just glad. He's just happy to be here. Don't, don't, uh, don't question the process. But Johnny can like, so Johnny has 89 and Chase has 95. So, and should be noted, the Oscar wins are three points. Uh, yes. We upped them up and best picture is five. So like we could still see some shifts between the standings. Uh, but you having 127 and me having 145 that's a that for me that's a big gap going in a nice comfortable tonight. cushion if you ask especially me. i could win none of my picks except for best picture See, and still win if i were you like literally if i were you i would uh i would still through? be nervous because no. it's you and it's this league and you find a way to win every time no matter how many uh, much of a lead i have after the baftas or whatnot um, but yeah, I just, I can imagine how comfortably you're sitting right now up there with all those points. I mean, it's like what I'm saying. Like if you had, if there was competition for best picture with power of the dog, I, it would be an interesting competition, but, but it's yes. not like, and I have Belfast, which really should be in the fucking conversation with power of the dog. Cause I think it's a better movie. I think it, uh, your your actresses is what because you have two that could be the winner of supporting if there were competition yeah. with the bows, and if we thought Kidman was going to be the front runner, my I dropped the ball when I came to ask uh, the actors, man. And, and you a have lot of subcategories. I really did. 
you have the strongest international film with the worst person in the world. It's just, it's the just strongest. Drive my car has been wiping that ass. It just showed the fuck up. And as soon as it got more than just the international nomination, I'm like, oh, so my shit's over. It'd be well, incredible and, if I win the Oscar. And what's crazy is I got my first point for um, Power of the Dog winning cinematography. And that's been going to Dune this entire oh, true. time. True, true, true. And so who knows what's going to happen with that one. But I mean, it's it's, it's going to be a great night. It, it really, really fucking is. I can't wait. I really can't wait. Johnny has a lot of the Dune War technical awards, so he'll he'll be climbing up. You soon. have a lot of the Dune technical awards, too. You have visual effects and score, and that just keeps on winning. Sure. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> yeah. My, I'm going to have more fun trying to win the ballot competition and pick all the right picks than I will worrying about the FAL this, that night. You know, on, on that topic, this might be the first year where I don't strive for going for Perfection. my 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 best. Yeah. And just kind of pick what I think could be like those tight upsets and whatnot, like gamble. Well, like I go 16, you're not, not going to be worried as much, but you're are going to take more risks. I kind of like, I, it. I feel like it. I feel like it. They're not going to be many risks to take. I can't wait to watch like the short films or whatnot and stuff, but I still got to knock out a couple of the documentaries and forums, but yeah, we'll see. That'll be a fun time. But um, I think that's going to be it for today's episode went longer than I thought, but honestly with the award season coming to a close, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, like every episode, except for maybe last episode, because we recommended the Batman, because the Batman is still Dude, very, 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 very this, good. This time uh, last week, we didn't even get talking about the Batman until after. I know, dude. Yeah, it's still easily the longest episode we're ever going to record because there's no way I'm editing anything that long again. But yeah, what what's your recommendation going into this week, Brent? I believe I said it at the top of the podcast, but we have baseball back. So watch fucking Moneyball. It is purely a movie that should. I mean, it has more art than the artist, which won Best Picture. Um, how can you not be romantic about baseball? True, very true. Baseball it's fucking amazing, man. Ever so romantic. It's it's. I'll, I'm gonna say I'll say something to you when we when we're off this. Okay. Uh, and then my pick is going to be a pick that I got recommend. I, I've always wanted to watch it, but it was a recommendation from a friend from a, for a movie club we do where we just watch each other's picks. Uh, I fucking fell in love with where the wild things are. I knew I was going to love it, but the way this movie kind of like just it basically encapsulates what it like it was like to be a lonely kid who lets his imagination run wild is amazing. And it's so uniquely structured and so and the story is so uniquely structured and it's spike jones one of the most uh, i would i would i i'm overusing the word but i would say he's one of the most unique directors working in hollywood today and the way he took this classic like short surface level bedtime story and turned it into this complex nuanced uh project and that became this movie with some incredible cgi puppeteering animatronic combination for the effects for the monsters it was all super beautiful and i loved watching the movie and and rated it very highly so definitely give that a watch all right that's gonna wrap it up for us this week uh we'll come at you hot next week with some more films in theaters aren't streaming we might have something on that and then we'll kind of give you our Oscar picks because that is coming up next. So stay tuned for that one. That will be a very fun, very fun episode. Yes. Very fun. But that's it for this episode, folks. Goodbye.